You might like to have that in front of you. And I don't need another one. Um, it's on page 1135 of the Bibles. Because it's not an easy reading, which is why it was very good to do it spontaneously like that. Although it wasn't planned spontaneity, was it? Please? Not planned spontaneity. No, real spontaneity. Okay. Um, As I expect most of you know now, and I have a visual aid in front of me, we are looking at the foundations of our lives, the firm foundations. And the question we're asking in this series is, are our lives built on firm foundations? Last Sunday, I was standing up here at the bereavement service and we were looking there at the storm that can surround us in times of grief and I think the question is how unshakable is your faith is my faith will it stand in the storms of life As Russ has already mentioned, this week's topic is, why does it hurt? The whole question of suffering in the world. When you talk to people about why they don't believe in God, questions of suffering come up frequently. Why did God allow this to happen to me? Where was God when I needed him? God can't be a God of love if things like this happen. And quite often now, you hear a slightly different slant. Isn't all the suffering, war and hatred in the world because of religion? For some people, this question of suffering is a really big stumbling block in the way of them believing. And for others, and I'm sure for some people here, it is up close and personal because they are in a place of suffering now. Now, I think as uh, Russ already mentioned, I'm not going to be able to cover all the aspects of this topic Um, in the time that I've got this morning, particularly as we need to finish on time. So I've brought up two books to recommend. Um, If this is a particular problem for you, this whole area of suffering and why there is suffering in the world, um, there's a, a quick and easy guide in here, Nicky Gumbel's Searching Issues. Um, There's a chapter on suffering that is very helpful. If you want a slightly more pastoral approach and um, a more extensive look at this whole area, Philip Yancey's Where is God When It Hurts? I found that very helpful. If you want either of those books, come and see me afterwards. 
What I am going to look at is this passage in Romans 8, which is why it would be good to have it in front of you, and to see what insights that gives us on why we all live in a world full of suffering. So it's on page 1135. And starting with the first verse of this passage, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Our present sufferings. I'm not quite sure what Paul was referring to. He talks earlier about his struggles to live the Christian life when everything seems to pull the other way. He also talks about his physical sufferings, being beaten, being imprisoned. And he's speaking to a church that is facing persecution and suffering for its faith. These are all part of a bigger picture of a world gone awry, not as it should be, damaged and in a mess. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. We live in a groaning world, on a groaning planet. Why? Well, there are several things that Paul mentions here. The first thing is he said in verse 21 that the creation is in bondage to decay. In Genesis, when God made the world, it says he saw that it was good. It reflected his goodness. It was a place of beauty and abundance where all could flourish. But when humans chose to go their own way and broke that relationship with God, this also affected the world around them. Paul says it's in bondage to decay. It's imprisoned in a spiral of destruction, decay and death. And because of that, we live on a groaning planet. Secondly, it says that creation is subject to frustration in verse 20. And sometimes that word is translated futility. We know we can't live as we were meant to live, and neither can the world around us. Things and people are spoilt and tainted by sin. Often that spoiling is caused by the evil that we people do. We live on a groaning planet. And thirdly, there is a sense of futility in creation itself, and it seems to get worse. Jesus said, you will hear of great earthquakes, famines and diseases in various places. He was talking about the end times. Do not be afraid, he said. We are living in those times. We live on a groaning planet, groaning that it is held cap- 
captive, groaning that it can't reach its full potential, groaning and longing for something new and better. So why do we hurt? Well, fundamentally, because we are groaning too. Part of that hurting creation. Living in a distorted world that is not as it should be. So if you agree with all that, you might well say, so where is God then? Did he just make this world, set it going like some clockwork toy and not care if it destroys itself? Well, that is not the message of the Bible. From start to finish, this is a book about God's commitment to this world and to us, his people, and how he has remained involved with us throughout history. Now, I gather that uh, pottery is the new baking. Um, And um, when I saw the pottery program this week, I was reminded that in the Old Testament, God is sometimes pictured as a potter. Watching that program, it was fascinating to see how the pot was formed on the wheel and how if it was turning out wrong, if it was looking like it was going to be the wrong size or misshapen, the potter could reform it and start again. God does that with us again and again. After Eden, in spite of Adam and Eve's sin, God said, I am not giving up. After the flood, he said, yes, let's start again. With Abraham, he said, I'm going to start with you and bless all the world through you. And to Israel, he said, I am giving you a fresh start, and another fresh start, and another fresh start. And so it goes on with God. He is continually reworking the clay. One of the things I learned from that program is that the more you work the clay, the stronger it gets. So where is God in all the rebellion and suffering and destruction and evil of our messy world? Well, he is not giving up on us. And if someone is overwhelmed by the awfulness of this world, by the unfairness of bad things happening to people who don't deserve it, or senseless cruelty or hurt, what can you say? Where is God when all that is around you? When I think there's only one place you can point them to, to the cross and the Jesus who hung there absorbing all the destructive power in his own body, being on the receiving end of the pointlessness and the randomness and the unjustness of it all and experiencing for himself pain and loss and death. So where is God? In the centre of it all and still with us, still active, still at work. But crucially, the Bible says he is doing something new. So how are we meant to live then in this messed up world 
If you look back at this passage in Romans 8, it is incredibly positive. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. And a bit further down, the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. As Christians, we shouldn't be wallowing in in misery, but looking ahead at what is to come. Paul says the groaning is like the groaning of childbirth. We live in a time of waiting, but it should be a time of mounting excitement as we see the plans of God unfolding all around us. And I must say that I felt a little bit of that when we were meeting with Tom yesterday. That period of waiting, but that period of mounting excitement as you see new things on the horizon. It is instructive to look at how Jesus looked at those he saw suffering. There was compassion and love and understanding, but he also looked at the encounters as opportunities for healing. When he met the blind man, he said, This happened that God's power might be seen in his life. And I wonder how often I look on suffering in that way as an opportunity for God's power to be seen. So we live in a time of waiting, but we also live in a time of expectation. God is creating something new, and soon that will be seen. And in fact, some of that kingdom, some of God's kingdom power breaks through now and we see it in healing and deliverance and in all times of other ways when God's goodness is seen. But some of that is yet to come. Secondly, I think we are living in the in-between times. To bring in um, a link with remembrance, This year was the 70th anniversary of VE and VJ days, victory in Europe, victory over Japan. Imagine what it was like being a soldier in the Far East when you heard about that victory over Germany in Europe. How would you feel then? Glad that the victory had happened, glad that Germany was defeated, you would be glad and that that probably meant that the victory over Japan was inevitable because without her allies, she would be on the way to defeat. But I think you'd also be very aware that you were still in the fight, still facing the enemy. You could still be killed. And that is where we are as Christians now, in between The decisive battle has been won on the cross. The victory is secure. We know that from the resurrection. But we are still in the fight. And part of the suffering we might face is being part of that battle. Particularly if that suffering comes in the form of persecution 
or misunderstanding or hurt because you are a Christian. Finally, we live with a good God. Let's remember this. God is good. All the time. If you are hurting, it is hard to be sure of the goodness of God. But look at this verse. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Whatever is happening to you, this says that God is bringing goodness into your life. Nothing can happen to you or to me that he cannot use for good in your life. I think sometimes this verse has been used unhelpfully as a sort of sticking plaster verse. There, there, don't worry, God will work it out for good. But there is a reality and a promise here, and many people can testify that in hard times, God was especially at work in their lives. Because that happened to me, I met with Jesus Because that happened to me, I came to church. Because that happened to me, I know I can trust God to hold me up. Because that happened to me, I felt God's love for the first time. Because that happened to me, I discovered that God could heal. Because that happened to me, I am able to comfort those as I was comforted. Because that happened to me, I know God can provide for my needs. Because that happened to me, I know that whatever happens, God is still good. Let's pray together.